Welcome into the bank, a show which covers the Baltimore Ravens and the NFL. The bank is part of BSL Radio. Baltimore Sports and Life is dedicated to analysis and discussion on the Baltimore Orioles, the Ravens, and the University of Maryland. The site has a team of writers providing coverage of those teams and houses live streaming content weekly. Join the conversations at the message board, like BSL on Facebook, and follow BSL on Twitter. Good evening. Welcome into the bank. After a couple weeks of uh, break for us, we're back. Uh, excited to talk to my colleagues, Jamie Seek and Mike Randall. We'll get to them in one second. First, a word from our sponsor, Mercer Florida Home Carpet One. They're a third-generation family business established in 1959, located on Main Street in beautiful, historic downtown Westminster. They're the oldest floor-covering store in Carroll County and one of Maryland's longest-running flooring businesses. For all your flooring needs, think Mercer Floor and Home Carpet One. So, even guys, glad to talk to you uh, after a couple weeks uh, away. Uh, and there is some uh, Ravens news that we uh, occurred while we were uh, off the last couple weeks. So, plenty to talk about tonight. Let's get in with that. Uh, the Ravens signed right guard Kevin uh, Zeitler. Uh, pretty uh, important uh, signing, uh, as I think we we spent most of our off season so far, uh, largely talking about the line. Uh, Mike, kind of give me your thoughts there on that deal. Um, certainly an important one. The offensive line is one of those things that let us down this past season. Uh, it wasn't help uh, when Ronnie Stanley was injured either. Um, but you know, this kind of helps fill the void that Marshall Yonda leaves behind at right guard. Zeitler's uh, certainly a veteran in the league with eight seasons in, certainly knows the division, being drafted by Cincinnati, playing a couple years in Cleveland, and most recently in the NFC with the Giants. So he's coming back to the AFC North. And the thing that really sticks out of, to me about him is his durability. Um, only missing one game in the last six years, I believe, last five or six seasons, he's only missed one game. And uh, from 2016 to 2018, he played every single snap, uh, took no snaps off. So, um, you know, he's a, he's a uh, durable guy, dependable guy that uh, you hope the injury bug doesn't catch this year since we are kind of shallow uh, on the offensive line. And um, that's what sticks out to me the, the most. Um, then there's also uh, he seems like a good scheme fit for what we like to do. Uh, there was uh, some postings on the message board about uh, some film breakdown. Uh, showing uh, how well versed he is in in uh, this kind of scheme and in, in our running system, so uh, looks like a good fit, and um, I'm excited that uh, it's definitely an upgrade for sure. Jamie, as Mike mentioned, uh, does sort of fill the uh, void of Yonda, which wasn't replaced last year. Obviously, you're not asking Zeitler to play at a Hall of Fame level, but you're asking for an upgrade over what we had at right guard last year. So. Uh, if you have the line back as is, and basically we're saying if Brown is not traded, how do you feel about the about the line in general? We'll get to center later on, but just generally, how do you feel better currently about the line with him added there? Well, I mean, how can you not feel better? Um, obviously, uh, the the loss of Yonda, as we've discussed, kind of ad nauseum, was such a big uh, big void that that was left and just didn't really do much to fill it. We're kind of hoping the in-house guys would take care of it. Um, but when you see Zeitler on film, he does everything. He pulls left. He pulls right. He combo blocks. He can pass protect. So it's not like he's just a good run blocker. To see him drop back and set and really – 
stonewall a guy is something that's really nice to watch and especially just to set up that pocket to be able to allow Jackson to survey the field to keep that to keep pressure out of his face it's going to be really nice to have a guy with that ability at right guard and as Mike alluded to you know dependable of uh, uh, knock on wood been very injury free thus far throughout his career so hopefully we're getting a guy that that we're not going to have any issues about and you can just pencil him in every Sunday so Jamie let's uh, just go ahead and stay up the line uh, and you know as we just alluded to the issue is still kind of at center and what happens there uh, so the other four positions at least if Stanley is back healthy and ready for the start of the year are pretty secure. We'll see if Brown is traded or not, but as long as he remains in a Ravens uniform, got four spots pretty much locked up. Whoa, what happens at center? Well, I mean, you've got, at this point, you've got you know you got three options. You've got your situation in house, which some the, the I think the the most consistent talk I'm reading, hearing, seeing is maybe sliding Bozeman over to center. He was a center in college. Uh, some people even say he might be the best center on the team. Now, that's interesting considering he hasn't really played center, but obviously he's shown in practice. A little tough, though, because he was really developing into a really solid left guard. I believe he graded out really well a bunch of times this year from pro football focus and everything. So if you do that, do you trust you know Ben Powers or maybe Tyree Phillips playing guard? Um, with regards to free agency, there's not a lot left outside the organization that you really want to go after. I mean, maybe Mike Pouncey, but you know, I don't know what kind of money he's looking for, but he's still floating around on the market. And obviously you could look to the draft, but I don't necessarily know in a season where we're looking at an all in type scenario with, you know, Lamar on the last year of his rookie deal, a couple of veterans and Brandon Williams and Clay Campbell, their, their contracts expiring at the end of the year. I don't know that you really want to put the center position in a rookie's hands. So, I mean, I think I'm leaning towards seeing what Bozeman can do at center and trying to fill left guard out in house because we know Bozeman can play. So maybe put him in the middle and let him make the calls. And, and as long as he can snap the ball to Lamar successfully in the pistol, that's a good start. Mike, what option appeals uh, most to you with, with uh, uh, center? Yeah, I pretty much agree with Jamie. I think, um, you know, Bozeman is your best center. You got to go with that. So many issues uh, that cost the Ravens a couple games, and especially late in the season at that position, has got to be addressed. And, it's, and, you know, whether it's guard, center, a lot of these guys have versatility coming out of college. Uh, and the Ravens are definitely going to address this somewhere in the draft. It might not be the first round, um, but they're definitely going to address this in the draft at some point, whether it's a guard that plays, has played some center or a center specifically. Um, but, but having versatile guys that can move around are, are good pieces to have. And, and some of these guys that uh, they target may very well be, um, you know, you could strike lightning here, and, and one of those guys might start, might start at left guard. I was a little disappointed that Bredesen this past year didn't get more run because he was a four-year starter at Michigan. If you're a four-year starter at guard, in a Big Ten school, that tells me you're kind of ready for this. And he clearly wasn't. It was a healthy scratch later in the season. And so I was a little disappointed in that. Maybe he, you know, weird year, COVID, odd off season. Uh, maybe he's a guy that steps up this year if Bozeman is the one that moves into center. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think Bozeman for, for now is the answer. Um, you're not going to go spend big money on a center, obviously, at this point. 
And then um, they're definitely going to dra- address interior line in the draft at, at once, at, at least, maybe twice. Let's move on to some other news. Uh, if what we spent most of the offseason talking about was the offensive line, the other uh, things we were talked about repeatedly were uh, the Ravens' own free agents and who we'd like to see come back. And obviously, Bowser was right at the top of that list. And our wishes were granted, and he was re-signed to a reasonable four-year, $22 million deal. Uh, kind of thoughts on that deal, and what are you looking to see from uh, Bowser going forward, Jamie? Um, the, the thing about Bowser is interesting. There was definitely some disappointment, I think, from the organization and from fans his first couple of years because you know he put up some big sack totals in college, and he wasn't you know that guy. But if you look at the role and the way they've used him and the way that he's developed as, as an all-around player, he he's really fantastic at dropping into coverage. And that the move where he shows blitz and he's able to commit to it and then drop back, that directly led to a couple of interceptions this year. And the fact that he can do that and get back in space and make the catch, it just speaks to his athleticism. I don't really think he's going to all of a sudden become a double-digit sack guy unless they dramatically change the way they use him. But that's perfectly okay because you can impact the game the way he is. Um, But it still speaks to the importance of having to bookend him and fill in that spot. But obviously we've had that conversation from time to time. But I'm really excited about the signing. It was a good deal. I think the maximum value, it, it can get to $27 million if he hits his escalators or uh, incentives. So I think it was just perfect fit, perfect price, good player. Love it. Mike, uh, you've taken periodic looks at the cap. Uh, do you agree with Jamie, right price? Yeah, you feel comfortable with the deal? Yeah, I, th- I think so, 100%. Um, definitely the right price. If you look at what uh, some other guys got like Zadarius Smith when he left here got five for sixty six million, um, or, or was it four for six? And it was sixty six million either way. Whether it was four years or five years, I can't remember off the top of my head. But um, we just saw what Matt Judon got was four years for fifty six million from uh, New England. So uh, getting getting Bowser practically half the price um, for producing, and then now asking him to produce twice as much. Um, is a definitely a value on the Ravens end, and it makes sense. And, uh, you know, it, it maybe he won't be that double-digit sad guy, but he does the other things uh, that, that quietly uh, – are they're quietly the things the Ravens wanted to keep him around for, plus the, the added incentive of being able to pick off some passes. And if, if you're the Ravens, you're, one of your goals – I mean, the, the big goal, obviously, is the Super Bowl. You have some mini goals. But you look at the other teams, and your basic – thing is like, okay, how do we beat the Chiefs? That's everyone in the AFC's goal is how do you beat the Chiefs? And Tampa Bay laid out that blueprint in the Super Bowl is being able to rush four and get to Mahomes with with four rushers. So Bowser doesn't have to put up those be be a you know one of those guys uh, coming off the edge blitzing you know in a five or six man package and get to Mahomes because he's going to beat you. But if he can drop into coverage, if he can cover Travis Kelsey in a game, uh, if he can do those kind of things while the other four people up front can get to Mahomes, that's how you beat the Chiefs, and that could be a reason. Welcome back. We had brief technical issues. I'm sure our ace producer uh, Josh will fix us up uh, on the other side. Mike was finishing up his thoughts on the uh, extension of Bowser there. So, Mike, what I wanted to get into was you took another look at possible edge prospects. Uh, Just go over kind of the uh, names you uh, were looking at there and, uh, uh, you know, 
who really stood out to you among that list of potential options for the Ravens? Yeah, the, the three guys I looked at uh, are three guys that could fall around pick number 27 that some mocks have them going slightly higher, right on 27 or just after. Uh, so those three guys are Aziz Ojulari from Georgia, Jason Owe from Penn State, and Ronnie Perkins from Oklahoma, who's recently snuck up into the first round of mock drafts. Um, one of the things with Perkins was he, he had a positive marijuana test right before a bowl game. And, you know, the CBA nowadays has made marijuana offenses less punishing. Uh, he seemed to come out and say all the right things uh, recently as teams get to interview him. And he, you know, makes more, uh, you know, gets, gets to do more interviews and media and things like that. So he's saying the right things. Uh, and so the marijuana thing may not be an issue, which is why he's moved up uh, mock draft boards into the first round. Of the three guys um, that I that I watched here, Perkins was the only one that seemed to routinely get into the backfield and be a disruption. Uh, he's uh, the video you can find video on YouTube of him against Florida in the Cotton Bowl, and seemingly he's just a disruptive force almost all the time. They're calling his name often. Um, his uh, explosion score is a 66.58 based on what he did at his pro day, which uh, is as official as we can get because we don't have a combine to go by. Uh, anything around 70 is good. Above 70 is uh, really good. So he's right there. Not the most explosive guy, but that certainly isn't a deal breaker. Uh, you really like the amount of times that he's seen in the backfield. Um, Owe, the only thing with him is his experience. He didn't play. Uh, football until his junior year of high school, so he just lacks experience. Um, also, zero sacks last year, which I don't put a lot of stock into college stats. But when they when you pick your first round draft pick, uh, and then you know they bring they run the highlight package on whatever channel you're watching the draft on, you you want to see that your edge rusher notching some sacks, not just uh, getting in the backfield and. Oh, he almost got a sack. So zero sacks is a little alarming. Uh, but, again, it is it is what it is. And uh, Ojulari, I mean, he's a guy that physically you look at him and it's like, wow, this he's got the kind of body that you want to see in a football player. Uh, he's six foot three, 240 pounds, long arms. He just doesn't have more than one move. He's He's got a good initial jab, and when he wins with that, uh, he, he, he wins and he can use his long arms and swim by. But that's all, the only move he's got. He doesn't have a spin move. Um, if the tackle takes away the jab, he, he's basically done. Uh, he doesn't uh, reverse course or anything. And even sometimes, like, the, his jab and the way he tries to get around the edge takes him too deep into the pocket, so he has to come back to get to the quarterback. And some of those things can be coached up, I suppose. But of these three guys I looked at, uh, Perkins is the one I'm uh, most impressed with, with his ability to actually be a disruption and actually log some sacks. Jamie, if guys might looked at who did you like best and right now as you think ahead to the draft are you kind of leaning towards uh, uh somebody on the edge yeah um i think i'm, I'm gonna I, I hate to always agree with mike but uh, uh perkins really jumps out of the three when you watch their highlights there's something about him it's the uh you know when guy they talk about a motor and that's not one of those real measurable things that you're going to see at the combine. You know, it's not it's not his sit and reach. It's not his cone drill. It's not any of that stuff. But to see the way that he goes after the football, I, I really liked it. I and with Ojolari, it's funny. I saw like a little bit shorter Javon Curse 
when I saw him, I know that's kind of going in the wayback machine a little bit for some of the younger fans, but it, it, he, he reminded me of that type of guy. But that frame, but he looks so skinny. And when you see guys like that, you know some guys are going to have, obviously they might have to bulk up a little bit. But I think when you look at Ronnie Perkins, I think I, I really see an NFL player when I, when I look at him on film. Speaking and regarding the draft, I always think it's a little safer to go with a defensive player, particularly a, a guy on the defensive line, because I feel like it's easier for coaches to simplify things for those guys. I mean, the Ravens did it for Terrell Suggs his rookie year, you know, especially how young he was. He was 20, and they just basically said, hey, go get the quarterback. You know, he didn't have to drop into coverage. He didn't have to set the edge. He was in passing situations, and he got double-digit double sacks his rookie year. I think you can see that I, – I feel like rookie defenders, they have their, their ability to make an impact. It's a lot easier for them to make an impact than it is for offensive players, particularly skill position guys. Speaking about uh, motor and edge uh, and the way back machine, one of my favorite Ravens players ever was uh, – Michael McCrary, who I, I don't really feel like he was overly physically talented, but he was a guy that, that competed on every play. And you talk about it not being measurable, but it is something that stands out on film. And, and you can see it, the guys that just have that extra one-two uh, or not. Um, moving off of the line, uh, Ravens, the big addition so far, they signed wide receiver Sammy Watkins. Lots of discussion at the board about the signing, uh, prospectively in the days leading up, and then after the acquisition became official. Uh, did you like the target? Thoughts on on the deal, Mike? Yeah, I, you know, I, I always wanted him to, to make a splash, and they made it very clear they were not going to. So, um, if, if they're not going to, I think this was a guy that is easy to roll the dice on, especially on a one year deal with worth um, the six million. So. Uh, it, it, he kind of reminds me, and let's keep it topical with March Madness. He's like of of the free agent wide receivers. He's like your eleven seed. <laughs> um, he's not your Kenny Galladay uh, one seed, but he's like your eleven seed. So is he going to be the eleven seed that turns out to be UCLA, or is that's uh, going to come in and and get a lot of targets? And he's got good hands still. He does, uh, you know, his thing is just not getting on the field enough and not, not staying healthy enough. Um, now, but so if he's healthy, is he going to get those targets and convert those and and be a, a superstar and get the Ravens to uh, the Final Four, if you will, um, or is he going to be the 11 seed that's Michigan State and uh, you you know hardly even remember they were part of the tournament and will he be remem hardly remembered as uh, being being a Raven when 2021 is over? So uh, kind of boomer bust. Uh, but I do like it for the price, and I think there's some upside there. Only 27 years old still, so you got to like that as well. Jamie, thoughts on the deal? Yeah, it, it was one of those things where we weren't really – you knew what was going to happen. That There was no chance they were going to get into a multi-year deal with any of the big names. I, I'm kind of glad T.Y. Hilton walked away. I wasn't really over the moon about him, uh, especially not three years and and, and all that. Um, I'm not a huge fan of Sammy Watkins, but for one one year, six million bucks, you know, you need somebody. They, they need another pass catching body there, and he is a competent NFL receiver when on the field. He's not going to take the top off a of defense anymore. It's not really his game. But when the ball's thrown to him, he's probably going to catch it. 
I mean, you know, I'm kind of like, okay, he's a guy. I'm not over the moon about it, but it is what it is. Yeah, I, mean, I have to agree. I like to see why Hilton walk away too. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think you guys kind of hit it. I, I'm, I was pretty generally pleased by the deal because it's one year and not a lot of money. And I felt like I kind of like Sneed's ability to uh, get open in the middle of a zone, but I feel like Watkins has a little bit more um, upside. Uh, uh, I still feel like Watkins has the potential to. Uh, he can turn a slant, and I think he could also be uh, used outside, but I think he can help uh, some in the slot uh, there and uh, used a little bit more. But kind of to the, the one point that I think you made, Jamie, that I really agree with is I think it just adds depth to the overall room. I mean, right without him, you you had Hollywood and Boykin, and then you had DuVernay and uh, Shea, and, and uh, that's <laughs> – not a whole lot of guys that you're going into you're really confident of exactly what you have. So, uh, you know, you add one more pro to the room and you team it with the tight ends and like, okay, the depth is better. Uh, if you didn't have him, you're really screaming out to have, uh, you know, that first round pick be, be a wide receiver and hoping that he can make an immediate impact with him. I mean, you, you, you know, you're you're a little bit closer to being able to take the the best guy on your board and not feeling like you have to potentially reach uh, anywhere. So fair. I like it. It's not a uh, – like you said, uh, maybe he's just a guy, but I think he added uh, something to the room overall and depth. There's always injuries, and I feel that much more confident with having, you know, one other guy directly in the room that you feel like you have a, a base sense of what you have there. Yeah, and I mean, if he can get on the field too, I mean, if he because he's what he's missed like t- like twenty five percent of his games or something over the course of the last couple of years. So and he's hasn't what played more than ten games in two of the last three seasons. So you know, I you'd like to see him you know play fourteen, fifteen, well maybe seventeen games. Um, but that's that's as big a piece of this as anything. But also a big part of the reason why the Ravens were able to get him for one year and six million dollars. Well, the, the one thing that uh, was mentioned on the board that I thought was a really good point was that uh, uh, they talked about his ability, uh, scramble type of plays, and uh, I'm forgetting the exact stat. I'll have to go back and read it through the thread, but it was basically that uh, in plays that were extended, he his marks were one of the higher in, in the league, and you know, kind of. Uh, that was something he dealt with in Kansas City, and it's something he could have here in Baltimore. Sure. And uh, you'd like to see the receivers like when plays are extended and be able to do something. So, uh, and, and not just stand in one, you know, one particular area. To your point about games played, the last uh, three years, eighteen, nineteen, and twenty. Uh, uh, ten games, fourteen games, ten games. Uh, so. Mm-hmm. We'll see, if, uh, you know, how he can directly stay on the field. Uh, so, moving past Watkins, but staying with the wide receivers, Jamie, you took a look at possible wide receiver options uh, for the Ravens in the draft. 
Uh, go over the few names uh, you looked at there. Yeah, it seems that uh, the Ravens are being really consistently mocked. There was two names that keep coming up, and it's uh, Rashad Bateman from Minnesota and Terrace Marshall from LSU. Now, a couple of years ago, an LSU guy would have been a non-starter, but since Ozzie is no longer the general manager, we're allowed to take LSU Tigers, apparently, because I believe that he never – drafted a player from LSU in his entire tenure as general manager here, which is kind of interesting. Um, but uh, when you look at when when you when you look at both of them on tape, you can see some similarities. But Marshall's definitely bigger uh, and obviously for a team looking for a big target, you'd like to see Eddie 6'3", but he probably would have to add a little bit of bulk to his frame. He's not Overly, Marshall isn't overly fast, but he's very smooth is really the best way I can describe it. Like he's a long strider and he definitely has a nose for the end zone, uh, double digit touchdowns his last couple of years. Um, I think the number, it was a little over 20% of his catches went for touchdowns. So you like to have that red zone threat, but the guy that I like of those, I really like Rashad Bateman. Once, once you start really looking and seeing him play, not just the when you read the scouting report, you like everything. They say smooth route runner. Uh, he's he's good in and out of breaks. He's uh, sub four four, and he catches everything. And when you see him in that offense, they run a lot of RPO concepts. So he's the timing of it. Uh, he can work on the outside. He works over the middle. Can catch and run, one-handed catches, uh, lots of things that you like to see. He had like a, it's like an Anquan Bolden kind of size. You know, he's at six one, like about two ten, but definitely has more speed than Bolden, and I think a much smoother, more polished route runner than Bolden ever was. Um, but if they are going to go wide receiver twenty seven, if it gets to that point, and if those guys are on the board. I would I would be okay with them taking a shot at Bateman, although I argued with myself as I'm prone to do because I like to present both sides of things. I'm very nervous about us taking a wide receiver. I mean, just because we've got a 25 year history of not getting it right. <laughs> with that said, it looks like there's definitely potential when we pick. There's obviously some bigger names that we're not going to get anywhere close to. You know, Jalen Waddle, Jamar Chase, they're going to be gone in the top 10 most likely. So these guys are kind of in that back end of that first round. And hell, maybe they're even the type of guys, if they fall, you can trade out of the first round if you like them and, and recoup a couple picks to go for depth. Yeah, I do like the uh, bigger body of Bateman. And while he missed 20 after opting out with COVID, uh, certainly remember in 19, as a Maryland fan, the Big Ten Network just uh, hyping him every every week uh, with the monster year he had that, that season. Mike, uh, your take on Jamie's article and, and those guys, who, who, who stands out for you? Yeah, I think both, both Bateman and Marshall bring a little something different to the table, and I like that. Uh, when I watch the tape on Bateman, you see some of the very athletic circus-like catches that he can make. Um, I, I, one of the things I remember when I watched um, when Odell Beckham was coming out, he was a name that was kind of talked about, but was like a you know late first round kind of guy. And I remember watching a film of him, and I specifically remember it because I think LSU was playing Georgia in a pouring down rain, and um, the LSU was trying to make a two-minute drill in the fourth quarter, pouring down rain, terrible conditions for throwing the ball. And the quarterback literally targeted Beckham like 
seven straight times, looked at nobody else. And Beckham in the rain was making one-handed grabs, was diving for balls, and just the, the ball was just sticking to it. And I'm like, this guy just doesn't drop a thing. If he can catch in these conditions, like this is the kind of receiver you should want to get. Soon, soon after that, when the draft came around, he shot up the draft boards, and he was drafted much earlier. And then we see him make some of the most incredible catches in the history of the game. Uh, so, uh, the fact that he can make that Bateman can make these uh, circus-like catches and, and uh, is something that you is a, you know something that really sticks out and something that I think you should take into account when um, looking at receivers is how they do. Uh, in that regard, the other thing, though, when it comes to Marshall, uh, one of the stats that stood out to me about him was his 82% contested catch rate um, is the best in college football. So uh, you, that's one of the things that we really lack, that the Ravens really lack, especially with Hollywood Brown as your wide receiver one. Uh, he's not a contested catch winner. We knew that when he was drafted. Uh, you know, just he's just smaller size. He's going to get overpowered in a one-on-one battle with some cornerbacks if he doesn't beat him with his speed. So to have a guy that can win contested catches on the outside in Marshall would also uh, be a benefit to the Ravens. So, uh, you know, I feel like with each, with, e- with each guy, you have something a little bit different that they can provide. Uh, and with each guy, you know, you hope that what they can bring can be a benefit to you. Yeah. And like uh, varying up the skill set of your, of your receivers, of course, you still have the tight ends and obviously they're uh, uh, heavily utilized in, in this offense. I guess here's my question for you guys to wrap up and I'll, Jamie, I'll start with you. The preferred option that you would have at either offensive line, wide receiver and edges on the board when the Ravens uh, want to pick where would you like to go? <laughs> it's it's tough because the my, my gut instinct is always to go is to is to have a strong offensive line because if if the offensive line is right, everything else falls into place. If you can protect, guys are going to get open. The quarterback's going to have time to throw the ball. You can open holes and run the ball. If you control the line of scrimmage on offense, you can control the game. With that said, <laughs> it is very difficult. Now, this is predicated on Orlando Brown not being traded, and it certainly doesn't look – it seems like the momentum in that has really dried up. I haven't heard anything or read anything, and the Ravens hold all the cards there, so I'm guessing he's going to be staying. I would have a very difficult time picking a guard or a center in the first round. I don't know. It's just it, it, they don't really move the needle for me. Um, I think if it's a choice between – Ronnie Perkins and Rashad Bateman, I got to go Perkins just because I don't trust wide receiver with this organization enough to spend the first round pick on it. And we, they need to get after the quarterback. There are some uh, uh, linemen kind of targeted around where the Ravens would pick that have the potential of playing outside, but could also be moved into guard for a year, and that appeals to me. Uh, potentially, That's fair. Uh, uh, with the idea there of, just to your point, of just having some mauling big line for for a year and uh, having that in front of uh, Jackson and you know, good luck to everybody else. We'll, we'll see. Uh, but, Mike, just to be fair to you, what uh, same question, or what are your thoughts? 
as far as who the Ravens should should which one of the positions should no, they start this round? Yes. Well, no. Just really your preference. If if your if your top choices at O line, edge, and wide receiver were still on the board, where where would you want to go? Gotcha. I think I would just I would go edge, um, just because. I, I think that they need it. We re-signed Bowser, but you still have nothing else. Um, you have Jalen Ferguson. So I think they definitely need it. With wide receiver, I think you can, uh, you know, find a guy, a boomer bust guy, maybe just like a big body type later in the draft. You also have, can run a two tight end system, um, you know, with Boyle coming back too. And, uh, you know, you, you can, you can, Find creative ways to get the ball into these other guys' hands and use du- Devin Duvernay a little more uh, and use James Proche a little bit more this year. Um, you know, you can find creative ways to get some of these guys the ball, whereas um, at edge, you only have two edge rushers right now. So that, that's yeah, – Mike, I think, I think that really is the answer, at least. Uh, that would be, for me, where my expectation would be yeah. just because it's the fin- finished uh, – spot and receiver in line, you know, there's still some questions, but they have more overall options, more overall depth. There is more you can do at the, at the edge. It's just pretty thin. So. Yeah. And it's, uh, it certainly depends on who falls down the draft board on draft night. Cause my answer could change when pick 27 rolls around <laughs> and depending on who's sitting there might be like, well, that guy fell down. You I know, know the cap is uh, pretty thin at this point, but I would be, I would feel that much more better if the Ravens could add something else to their uh, uh, pass rush scheme before the draft, and then they could have <laughs> they could let the board really fall fall how <laughs> how it falls. And, well, you know, uh, whoever they draft is going to be the guy they wanted all along. So, well, of course, <laughs> and we had him. He was he was number one guy on our board. Yeah, top of the board, red star guy, right? right, right. Not just number one, uh, top guy on their board. Not just red right. star, but he was also. Uh, uh, top ten uh, pick overall for them. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's it for uh, this week. We'll see what other news happens in Ravensland. Uh, come and join the discussions at Baltimore Sports and Life. Find the latest articles from uh, Mike and Jamie, and uh, also uh, Rivers McCown had an article this week as well. You can take a look at that. Uh, looking at the signing of uh, uh, Watkins. Thanks for joining us, and we'll be back next week. Take care.